Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Terrio Media. Success in real estate has nothing to do with shiny objects. It has everything to do with mastering the basics. The three pillars of real estate investing. Attract, convert, exit. Matt Terrio has been helping real estate investors do just that for more than a decade now. If you want to make money in real estate, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit reiace.com. Here's Matt. Hey there, Epic Investor. It's Matt Terrio from Epic Real Estate where we show people how to invest in real estate with an emphasis on retiring early. This is the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. And if this is your first time here, really glad that you found us. If you like what you hear, make sure you hit the subscribe button before you go. And if this is not your first time here, welcome back. And thank you for continuing to share this with your friends and family. 11 years on the run right now, and I just wouldn't be here if it weren't for you doing that. You're the absolute best for doing that, so thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Alrighty, so in the news this week, the U.S. hit a record for new daily coronavirus cases. More than 82,000 people tested positive for COVID-19. That's about 6,000 more than the previous peak in July. And that's a fact. That is factual. And that's what you're going to hear about mostly what's factual, but what's actual might lead you to believe something a little bit different because those are kind of uh, grim uh, numbers that we really aren't, I don't think, in the mood for hearing right now. We've been dealing with this for a while, almost a whole year, and that it is factual. But what's actual? Well, what's actual is we are testing about double the people we were in July. In July, we were testing 600,000 people. Uh, Right now, we're testing 1.1 million people. And I think that's daily tests, which is absolutely remarkable that we're conducting those that many tests. Let me pull this little uh, stat I had up here. But that's the number that I saw on the graph. Let me just confirm that that is daily. And that would be right here. Nationwide COVID-19 metrics, seven-day average lines. Uh, Okay, so these are seven-day averages. Well, it says daily tests. Right now, October 25th is 1.1 million tests. So that is daily tests. So we are doing 1.1 million tests per day. Remarkable. So if we're doing that, of course, we're going to set new records. Hospitalizations are trending upward. So that's not good news. But they are well below the April number and well below the July peak of 60,000. We're all the way down to 40,000. So that's a 30 
33% cut right there, 33% cut. And the most important stat of all, of which gets mentioned the least, which I think is pretty darn remarkable, as this virus has proven to be very dangerous for those in particular categories. And so that's why we're locked down. That's why we've, we're taking all the measures and precautions and changing our behaviors in the way that we are, is because how deadly it is. Well, the daily deaths, the peak in late April, were right around 2,200 per day. And that was when it was really serious business. And though even in July's spike of cases where we reached the all-time high in cases, we cut that daily death number in half to 1,100 per day. And as I record this, we're down again at 800 per day. Certainly, we've got work to do, and not one death is acceptable. But we are making ground. The president says we are turning the corner. Um, I guess there's a lot of different ways you could uh, interpret turning the corner or what that means to you. But if we're looking at just the death chart, the daily death chart, the improvements that we've made are remarkable. And these are stats from the COVID Tracking Project. I tried to find a nonpartisan source and just look at the actual numbers. And this is what I found. Um, And so we're making gains on getting control of this. There are more cases due to more tests, but less deaths due to better treatment and management of the virus. So that's my interpretation of the data. You interpret it how you best see fit. If the data changes, uh, maybe my interpretation will as well, but I think it's relatively good news. So uh, stay the course with the safety guidelines in your state and uh, continue to take your vitamin D, C, and zinc and get plenty of exercise to keep your healthy or to keep your immune system healthy and strong. All right. So that's the, the actual or the factual news. And that could be interpreted in a half empty, half full way. But there's some official good COVID news that was uh, published in the same location that I found this. So this week, uh, the Gilead drug Remdesivir became the first and only COVID-19 treatment to be fully approved by the FDA. That was just this week. And the agency had granted the drug emergency use authorization back in May, but now it has a more official stamp of approval. So if you had any stock holdings in Gilead, you saw those shares bounce by more than 3% right overnight. But um, since it was greenlit for emergency use, remdesivir has been administered via IV to patients hospitalized with COVID-19. And studies have found that it modestly shortens recovery times for some of those patients. And it took a star turn as one of the drugs used to treat President Trump after he tested positive. So looking ahead, in August, Gilead said it planned to produce more than 2 million treatment courses by the end of the year, plus several million more in 2021. Alrighty, so there's some good uh, good COVID news. And here's some more good COVID news if you happen to be a manufacturer of motorcycles or scooters because the uh, pandemic has boosted the sales of all two-wheelers in cities around the world. According to Bloomberg, the pandemic kick-started an urban motorcycle boom. So are the cities ready for this? Well, two-wheeled vehicles surged during lockdown on streets around the world, so have worries about noise, air pollution, and safety. And the explanations for the spike, they vary. Like the uh, supplementary bicycling boom, socially distance rides are all the rage. It isn't just motorcycles and scooters, but also e-bikes and electric skateboards and bicycles. Uh, that's uh, Motorcycles Data CEO Carlo 
Simo Gini told the Wall Street Journal this, and they're all just great for people trying to avoid each other. So, um, yeah, if you got stock in the in the two-wheeler industry, you're probably doing pretty good with there, too. And then here's surprising news. Restaurants. Nearly 6,500 new restaurants and food businesses opened last month. New restaurants. This is all according to Yelp. New openings are nearing or outpacing levels from the last four years. One would be hard-pressed to find, though, new restaurants opening with elaborate fine dining interiors, but pandemic-optimized eateries are the ones that are opening and thriving, debuting some combination of features such as large patios, spaced-out tables, order-ahead menus, and efficient service cuisine. Now, a little real estate news. Million-dollar homes have almost doubled Actually, they have more than doubled since last year. The $1 million plus dollar priced homes, medium home prices hit a record of 311000 in September as home sales rose 20% annually. Homes in the one hundred dollars to 250000 range only saw a 4% gain in sales, though, compared to a year ago, while sales of homes costing more than $1 million more than doubled. So Lawrence Yoon, the chief economist for the Realtors Group, says he's never seen that happen before but he thinks it shows that people with the resources to do it, they're just going all in and buying bigger homes to help ride out the pandemic, sometimes in resort towns. I was just talking to a friend about this and he was mentioning this and um, you know, he's talking about the migration of people moving from major or the inner cities out to the suburbs and to more rural areas. And they're selling those city properties and they're taking all their cash and they're going out and spending it in uh, other areas where that cash goes a long, long way or a much longer way. And you, your lifestyle can really improve with a fraction of the cost and pr- still probably have some money left over. And the trend isn't just among the super rich, though. Sales of homes between 250000 and 500000 saw a 36% gain from a year ago. But homes going for five hundred to 750000 saw nearly twice as big a percentage jump in sales. So it's at all levels. The one million plus is more than doubled, but it's doing really well for that five hundred to seven hundred seven fifty thousand dollar price range. And the two fifty to five hundred thousand dollar price range saw a thirty six percent gain from a year ago. And lastly, Christmas toys. Mattel sales jumped ten percent last quarter. The toy maker's biggest increase in a decade. Sales in its Barbie line rose twenty nine percent. Alrighty, and so that's the news. Let's talk real estate investing. That's why you're here, right? You know, someone this weekend asked me. Why do you teach real estate investing and not just do it? And this was at the Epic Intensive, by the way. And uh, for all of you that I got to meet in person, face-to-face, it was really nice to go in and see people's actual facial expressions. And so for the few people that were there in person, it was great. I had a fantastic time. I'm looking forward to working with you guys. And for those of you that were there virtually, Boy, I mean, it's like 250 people stuck to it and uh, stayed tuned in for those three days. So I really appreciate you as well. And I know there's many of you that I'm going to be working with as well. But um, after everything was over, I was asked by one of my my new private clients that, uh, why do you teach real estate investing and not just do it? And that's a typical question. It's uh, It's been asked frequently and it's probably asked to one's self more than actually verbalized, meaning I know people are always thinking it. Like, why is this guy teaching this if he could just go out and do it and make a bunch of money? Why does he have to teach it? Well, I've got a great answer. Here's why. Because a wise person once said to me, get good at one thing and then create multiple streams of income from it. He said, that's what the rich people do. That's what the wealthy people do. And at that time, uh, I barely had two nickels to rub together, so I couldn't really comprehend what it actually meant. But um, 
when I got to the point, he had mentioned uh, consulting is the most typical first additional stream for most people that they'll do. So they'll get really good at something. They'll have this wealth of knowledge and experience in their minds. And consulting is a, an easy way to create a secondary income stream from that. So back in 2009, when the timing felt right, uh, I decided to start consulting or, or coaching, if you will. And the very first client that I had, Brad Donnelly out of St. Louis, he uh, took my coaching and ran with it far beyond my and uh, exceeding my expectations. And to this day, 11 years or so later, he's still among my top five most successful clients. And he was the, he was the first one. And that gave me a lot of confidence about being able to, to maybe I could actually do something with this and help a lot of people. And, and, you know, making that type of difference in people's lives, it's really, really fulfilling. I had no idea how, what that would actually feel like, because I did got, get into it for the money to create that secondary stream of income. But But that underrated emotion of positively impacting someone's financial future in a way they might not have ever experienced unless they did cross paths with you, that's really what drives me now to to keep helping people invest in real estate. And I'm doing more and more and more and asking for less and less in return because emotionally it, it is so fulfilling. But what I never imagined would be the relationships that I've made through coaching Um, both personally and professionally, relationship-wise. For example, um, you know, Josh Swanson, he's a former client. He's taken what he's learned here at Epic and he's applied it and he's just become a total rock star. He's he's an annual seven-figure wholesaler. And, you know, that's what he's done with the education and made me a, a proud mentor, a proud educator. And then he and his wife flew all the way to Mexico to celebrate my 50th birthday with all of my closest friends and certainly they're among them now. And he now assists me with coaching and helping people invest in real estate, and his clients are thriving. So that pay-it-forward aspect and that relationship and working with like-minded people, I'd have never imagined that happening. Or now, you know, several of my students who came to me not knowing really a thing about finding off-market deals, um, some had no experience at all and some had a little bit. But so many of them now are providers of turnkey properties to cash flow savvy, building this internal supply chain, this internal secret supply chain for cash flow savvy, and providing amazing exit strategies for our existing students, like Maura McGraw and Chris Warren and, and Daniel Ackerman, just to name a few. Uh, we've bought per- properties from them, multiple properties from them, and uh, gave them to our cash flow savvy clients so they could help build their passive income portfolio. So that has been uh, something that uh, feels really good as well as being profitable. And and by guiding my clients through their challenging transactions, I've become a better problem solver. I've become a better real estate investor in my own right. And you know, I've shared stories of where I've kind of skinned my knee here and there or I've bumped my head or I've flat out got demolished on certain deals. You know, and none of those really exist inside of the last six or seven years. I mean, I, I had made some major mistakes, some costly mistakes seven years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago that I still tend to, uh, um, I can still feel the repercussions every now and then. But just by becoming or by coaching people and helping them and holding their hand through their own transactions, I've become a better problem solver and overall investor and haven't lost a dime since. And I just, my, my confidence level has skyrocketed and my, my experience has, has skyrocketed as well. 
because you know every lesson or every transaction there lies a lesson and we certainly can't learn everything about this business there's just too many variables at play and you just kind of have to approach those challenges as they come and i've been able to experience a lot more challenges by living vicariously through my students and uh, it's made me a better investor and has built a stronger portfolio for mercedes and myself And then my clients, they teach me how to do what I taught them how to do. They teach me back how to do it even better, which has been great. Like like Josh Miller with the three-option LOI. I mean, he just sends it to everyone that ever says no to his initial offer. And so I incorporated that same exact practice, and there it has resulted in multiple additional deals that I might not have ever gotten. And then Corey, who threw out the three-option LOI altogether and just went straight for the knockout by just offering option three, that principal-only offer. That's all he ever offers. And now that's my main strategy with my realtors on properties on the multiple listing service that are owned free and clear over 90 days on the market. And both of those innovations of just epic lessons, those are just two examples, have produced multiple deals for Mercedes and I. So I continue to learn. I mean, in some cases, the students have become the teacher. And so, and we've learned that inside of our investor lab and our mastermind gatherings. And so that's what those gatherings are for. And some of those innovations have just been remarkable. And some of the ways that we generate leads now have been uh, from students also. And then I do some lending to my students, some transactional funding, some hard money lending. I'm even in, I've got some long-term lending with a couple of my students, which has turned into another small little business, not an official business, but certainly an additional stream of income. Not to mention cash flow savvy itself emerged from growing demand of my coaching clients. So the benefits of teaching people, that to answer that question, now it's a really long, long answer. The benefits of teaching people how to invest in real estate, they just continue to grow and grow far beyond the initial goal of just creating a secondary stream from the information I had in my head. So I continue to push and push and push and grow this even bigger because I see all the ancillary benefits and all the intangibles that come from it. And what never ceases to amaze me When you run an operation like Epic and you work with the people that you get to work with and you get to help the people that you get to help, what never ceases to amaze me is is essentially what I would call almost the miracles that are created. And I don't mean like a spiritual miracle. I just mean really good fortune that wasn't expected and came out of nowhere. And that has to do a lot with, um, or that shows up in my world by way of the brilliant and caring people that Epic attracts. Just by merely being in existence and and doing good by people, we attract people. And and I want to introduce you to one of those newer relationships today. And I'm going to do my very best to introduce you to him in an objective way, without it sounding like an infomercial for Epic, considering he's new to the team and helping me help students find their way in real estate investing and helping me match them up with the best solutions for each individual because everyone has different needs and requires different solutions. And uh, he's just been an amazing addition to the team. And uh, if you get to talk to him, take advantage of that time because he's a wealth of knowledge as well. So without further ado, please help me welcome Mr. Eric Slykew to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. How are you doing, Matt? Doing good. Doing good. Happy to have you. And, uh, you know, so we've been able to cross paths. We got introduced by a mutual friend. I'm really, really glad that we did. And uh, you've been a great part of the team in helping people get started or take in their, their existing fledgling real estate investing efforts and turning them into nice, consistent ones, whether that's a part-time business or a full-time business. So I appreciate you for that. Just so we can all get to know you a little bit better, there's still things that you and I haven't even talked about. Can you kind of just give me your background and bring me up to speed to where you are today? 
Sure. So thank you for having me, Matt. Mm-hmm. So I was an officer in the Marine Corps for five years. So I had a five-year commitment. I graduated in 2000 from the United States Naval Academy. And uh, I was stationed out in Southern California. So I had a five-year commitment. And when I was looking at, it was May of 2004, kind of what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, thought about you know getting an advanced degree, plugging into corporate America. But Southern California happened to be a really hot real estate market. And obviously, I didn't know what I was doing there. And I had a and that was how long ago? That was 2004. 2004, okay. So it was super hot then, yep. Yeah, it's quite a long time ago. But I saw the interest in real estate there. I bought a condo. It appreciated. So I thought there was something that's real estate thing. And then I got some training, um, had some mentorship, made quite a bit of money initially with pre-constructions, but I got overconfident. And ended up losing everything in 2009, along with the divorce. And I realized that I needed more of a system and the right coaching to do things correctly in this business. I love real estate, but I just wasn't on the path that I thought I was on. So ever since then, I've made an effort to rebuild the right way. And uh, along the way, I love helping students kind of do the same thing. Awesome. Sweet. Actually been developing rock stars, absolute legends around here in the last few years. But I am seeing a good little flow of military. And, uh, you know, I've got Mara McGraw, who is a, a Marine Corps officer, and she's done really well for herself. Uh, Daniel Ackerman, who is a uh, Army Ranger officer, sniper, and he's done really well for himself. I think about the lessons that I learned in the Marine Corps that I certainly didn't have before going in. And I'm just curious from one Marine to another and let everybody else kind of eavesdrop. What do you think it was about your training that allowed you to be successful in real estate? Where's that transfer happen? Do you know? Yes, I think, well, as a Marine, I mean, when I thought about being a Marine, I always kind of want to do things a little bit better. I want to be the best at what I was doing. And and I think I was fortunate enough to not really be a, a book smart guy growing up. And so I really relied on systems and tutoring, whether it be in high school or college, or if you'd call it that military school. So I think in the Marine Corps, I really learned that the team is so important. I think in real estate, it's the same way, whether it's coaching or your power team to get deals done, uh, you are who you surround yourself with. So I was fortunate enough to be trained, you know, in a step-by-step system with everything we did in the Marine Corps. And I kind of just tried to, you know, I think the biggest thing is going from education to implementation. Mm -hmm. And for me, when you had Marines lives on the line, you learn in the classroom you go out there and then if you're doing live fires or whatever it is, you have instructors there making sure, you know, they don't screw it up or they make adjustments before there's a big mistake. And I think, you know, when I've done real estate the right way and I've lately, I've done a lot more of it the right way than the wrong way. I think that's the model that's really worked for me is, is really taking it from education to implementation. So step-by-step in chronological order, the ABCs of real estate. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I found to be most helpful, I believe. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I mean, you came through the Naval Academy. I went straight through boot camp as enlisted. And uh, but the the big distinction there that I had was, you know, you you come running off the bus and and you get jumped to the yellow footprints and you got the drill instructor screaming in your ear and you're in this total area of unfamiliarity and disorientation and just scream and scream and scream. What do I go? What do I do? You're confused and you're bumping into each other. And it's just a, a total mess. Right. Um, there's an expression for what's that's called a cluster something, right? Have you heard of this expression? (laughs) Yeah. You can fill in the second word, but that's what we called it in the Marine Corps. But you were there with someone that was a Marine to guide you and to take you through this process. And when you say step-by-step A to Z, you know, 
you, you come into this just a total civilian piece of poop and you know, you go through this process and you're being led by someone that's been there and done that. And you just get up each and every day. You got a set schedule, you carry out the schedule and you just stack one of those days on top of each other, you know, and, and then in 12 to good 12 weeks, boom, they, they, you, you've come out United States Marine and you're completely transformed and completely different just because you had a guide there who'd been there and done that and took you through the steps and you had no choice. You know, you had to do the steps and it was just perfect evidence as to when you do the right activities, it produces the right result. Yeah. So I, I just kind of noticed that, the, the, you know, when, and you even started by saying, you know, you, you were fortunate enough not to be book smart and you're a little bit more street smart and make up for it with your, your sweat equity and your, and your work ethic. And, and I think that's all it takes here too. It doesn't take exceptional intelligence inside of real estate yeah. to, to be good at this, right? So here we are in uh, a very weird time. And I hate to use the word unprecedented times because the word unprecedented, if I hear it one more time, I just might burst. <laughs> but I don't have another word for it. Uh, here we are in, in unprecedented times with uh, so much stuff going on. I mean, it, just the election alone has, has caused all kinds of chaos, but then we've got the social unrest and we've got a global pandemic and, and uh, people are just really confused and we've got all the unemployment and it's impacting the real estate market. How are you seeing it impact the real estate market right now? What, the, what are you noticing? The biggest, the biggest difference I notice is I think anytime the pressure you know, turns up, that really separates the amateurs and the novice from the professionals. And I think, you know, Anybody can buy property and that doesn't make them uh, what I would call a professional investor. And so I think there's a confusion that, you know, I'm in real estate, I do real estate. And, you know, I was asked, you know, kind of what level, how much passive income do you have? And I think what COVID has done, depending on what state you're in and what degree of lockdown you're in, even if you've done some investing and you're relying on the, I've got to touch it, I've got to smell it, I've got to feel it model, it hasn't worked. So, you know, the training we've been doing lately, it's you have your novice, you have your amateurs. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, you've got your people who've never touched real estate before. You've got you know amateurs who might think they're professionals and they're stuck because they can't get it done just using a laptop and a phone. And I think that when it comes to COVID, I think it really emphasizes that when you have the right systems, you're going to be successful regardless. And actually, I've seen investors making more money because mm-hmm. if we're talking about you know bigger wholesale flips or maybe a find it, fund it, fix it, and flip it, when you have, even in markets, crazy markets like San Fran and other markets in California, that people are fleeing, there's still more demand than there is supply. So if you stick with that middle income price point, there's actually some appreciation that's taking place because people are dumping those more expensive homes because they're being squeezed in terms of affordability. So not only do you have your standard built-in profit through the systems, mm-hmm. but you might get a little extra credit profit. And on top of that, when you're talking about going to markets where you know people might be fleeing New York, New Jersey, California, you can still make really good money there, right? Not necessarily want to live there. No offense to anyone that does. And I happen to spend just a little bit more than half my time in Texas, and then I'm in California as well. So I'm kind of speak to both of those. But you have people fleeing the states with with higher income tax, and you know, obviously, not to get into politics, but depending on who get, who gets elected, that affects the tax situation. But my point is that. The same model applies on a smaller scale. You can go to what I call ripple markets. We might call ripple markets like Orlando, Vegas. In other words, bigger cities within states like uh, Texas, Nevada, and Florida, where people are, are going, that's in terms of a more 
affordable place to be. So once again, if you're in that, if you're already in that market and you're targeting the right properties, you're going to make your money if you have the right systems and supervision, but also you can make more money. And I think we both remember Warren Buffett, you know, kind of smart when it comes to money. He's got a number of different things that he said, but one of the things he said was buy fear and sell greed. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I like those two terms, but I think that, you know, this is a tough time for a lot of people, but there's a lot of money to be made. And at the same time, there's a lot of people you can help. And I think that's the biggest thing that you talk about is this business is about helping people and making money. And it's not about making money and then helping people in that order. You can do both. And that's what I think is so fantastic about it. Right. And as real estate investors, we're always looking to where to for where the activity is. Where's the market activity? Where are people buying and selling? And, and so the hot point has always been kind of that, find that median price point and just kind of dip about five to 10% below the median price point. And that's kind of where people move in and they buy their first house, but as soon as they make a few bucks, they're ready to move on. So there's a lot of buying and selling in that price point. But this COVID thing is causing that to kind of expand a little bit to not to above maybe even the, in the median price point. And just, there's just a lot of real estate exchanging hands. You know, there's the, the thing on the, the news today, actually a uh, 52% increase in New York outbound move requests. That's huge. And then 128% increase in San Francisco outbound move requests. And, it, and it's interesting because I was just talking to a real estate agent in the Bay area uh, over this last weekend. And I, and I said, so what's, gosh, what's the San Francisco market like? I mean, it's gotta be like a ghost town with everyone leaving. He says, no, people are leaving like crazy, but then there's 10 offers for people just to fill that void that they just left. Yeah. So it's interesting with all the, the disarray that we're all been, I don't know, kind of imposed upon us almost really to no fault of our own. We've just kind of stumbled into this new existence and I would have really expected, and I'm on record on this podcast three, four, five months ago saying, get ready, this thing's going to crash and we better be ready for a new strategy. And it's done quite the opposite. The demand is still, is still just so high. And uh, it's kind of making me scratch my head as to, to what's causing it. But that's really all of the retail on market stuff, right? That's where the, the retail data. And I just did a, a, a big, long rundown of all the different stats last week on off-market stuff, the stuff that real estate investors pay attention to that you'll never hear about from the media of how that's going to impact the real estate market. But anyway, just with that transition of all those, all that real estate exchanging hands, what type of opportunities are you seeing or what type of strategies do you think are best for that type of environment? When you talk about that type of environment, are you talking about in those specific states or the U.S. as a whole? Well, let's go as a whole and then let's reduce okay. it down to a little bit more of a micro focus. Okay. And maybe I would say this. So, I mean, just to start, I mean, maybe at the place like California, I mean, I personally am not happy with maybe some of the policies and the taxes that are there, Mm -hmm. but you talk about, you hear so many people leaving, like you're discussing, but what still remains is California has the fifth largest GDP in the world, I believe. And so Mm -hmm. there's, there's Silicon Valley, there's LA County. And you, you know, you came from Los Angeles, went to Vegas. So no matter how crazy things get, I feel like there is a demand there and you can't just go buy 20, 30, 40 acres. Like in a place like Orange County, Irvine company did that a long time ago. So they're just building and building and building. Yes. There's a bubble in the commercial realm in terms of office space, but what still is not changing is that it seems like there's more of a demand than there is supply. So as an investor, when you know how to do that, 
and get access to supply, you're going to make money, even if you wouldn't want to live there. And I think that's what's really powerful. So these places that people are fleeing, yes, I feel like they're great places to flip because, you know, if you're talking about wholesale flipping, and there's different ways, obviously, to do that, whether you're, you're flipping a contract or whether you have transactional funding with a double closing, you know, buying and selling it simultaneously. The powerful thing is you don't have to live there, but you can make a profit and that, that property can be passed on to another investor and they've got their profit or maybe it's a family's home that they're going to live in. And you have so many you know, interesting and strategic ways to find inventory, as, as I'm sure people listening to the podcast know. You know, in these states where people are fleeing, there's still a tremendous opportunity to flip. Now, that being said, I, I feel with big profits. That being said, when it comes to buying and holding, right, I've seen some people that talk about, you know, in theory about getting cash flow and appreciation in these places as well. But to me, that's more logistically intensive. That's like if you're targeting a mobile home park and you have an RV park, you know, somebody can just take their truck and take the, you know, the, the trailer away as opposed to a mobile home park where the double wide or single wide is there and then it's thousand dollars to move it's just easy to manage so mm-hmm. i feel like you can flip in those crazy well so to speak crazy areas some people might call them that it's a lot of volatility so to speak but you can still flip anywhere across the country whether it's wholesale flipping or find it find it fix it and flip it there's ways to do that but then you know as you and your wife know it's about buying and holding for cash flow and then you know it's pushing those profits uh, that might be larger profits in those areas into you know, I, I feel like the Midwest is a great area to buy and hold for cash flow. And then you've got, I think a big part of it is investing in diverse and thriving job markets compared to other cities in the US. Mm-hmm. So if one industry goes away, you've got the others to back it up. Right. You know, I feel like you don't want to buy and hold in an area with two main businesses. Maybe it's a military base and Coleman coolers, because if one of them goes away, you know, what do you have? I feel like when you're building your portfolio, as, as I know you talk about as well, you don't want problems you want solutions. So the idea is if it's set up correctly, like, like your systems have, right, then it's more of a solar powered investing system where you, when you get the gears turning, you know, a lot of it should be there are system and checks and balances where you're not managing that beast. So it's flipping to get to the buy and hold for cash flow, and, and that's, that's what I feel the opportunity is there. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I, I think that the flipping to buy the cash flow, there's another two other dynamics there I think that are really key. You know, I was just uh, over the weekend, I spent some time with Jeff, the guy that runs our ground and pound school. And he's always been a fixer and flipper. I mean, he's got a huge portfolio, but he likes the big chunks of cash. So he does a lot of fixing and flipping. He runs his whole contracting crew and everything. But what he's saying is because the demand is so high, he's cut his rehab costs way down because he doesn't hasn't had to fix them up as nicely as he previously did. Yeah. To, to sell him for the same. So he's actually really maximizing his profit and he's been able to pull a lot more out of each deal, which I thought was, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I, they, there's that expression that's become popular over the last few years called wholetailing, right? You, you just find a property <laughs> and then just clean it up and put it right back on the, on the market and the mul- multiple listing service. So instead of send, selling to another investor, you're actually selling to a retail buyer, right? Yeah. And so the problem with that has always been that, for that to really work and not have to close on it, you had to have a cash buyer because if the buyer is going to get a loan, the loan, the lender is typically going to be very uncomfortable lending to that if they're not buying straight from the buyer, right? Buying from that middle person. But with so many, so much migration out of these big cities into the more outside the realm or even outside the state of your suburban 
and your more rural communities, they're coming, they're paying cash for those areas. So all of a sudden you have a bunch of resident owners that are also cash buyers, which I think makes that a little bit more feasible, but also with the new profit spread, if you had to take it down with hard money, it could still be prove a really big profit for you. If you had to take it down so you could sell it to a, a finance buyer. And then the other thing I'm thinking is people are moving and aren't necessarily buying right away. So the rental demand is going way up. Absolutely. See that, right? Yes, sir. So, I see that going like we haven't had, we, we had one vacancy. We had it filled right away and we haven't missed a payment out of this entire pandemic. So people have been concerned with the moratorium eviction or the eviction moratoriums and everything is like, that hasn't really impacted us at all. Right. So I think a, a lot of that is supported by people migrating from the big cities. So you're getting high, a higher quality or at least someone that's accustomed to paying a whole lot more for rent or coming into your market and they've got it. It's not such a stretch for them. So I think that's a big one there. Absolutely. This is something Mercedes and I are doing. If you have rentals already, and if you have any kind of lower priced properties, or maybe some properties that have presented some difficulties in managing, like maybe it's time to cash out on those and upgrade your portfolio because you're going to get probably the highest dollar you've ever been able to get since you've owned it right now because the demand is so high. Yeah. 100%. Right? With interest yeah. rates being as low as they are. I mean, this... You know, we're talking about unprecedented if I hear it one more time, but I mean, I just feel the lessons learned. I think the great thing about, you know, your network is your net worth. When you have someone like you, I, I learned from you, you know, you've mentored me and I've talked to you about things. And when you communicate and you have, you know, I guess smart guys and smart gals in this business, book smart or not, and, and you learn from the things that you could do better. So the, the things that don't work, you ditch them, but you hang on to the things that do work. And then it's just this powerful force about getting business done in an ethical way. And it's just, it's great when it, and it's going in the right direction. And in a time like this, so many people need the right real estate. And when you have the right system, like you do, uh, like you and Mercedes have, it's just, it's, it's incredible profits for investors, but you, you're helping so many people on the way, which to me is just, it's incredible. There isn't anything else I'd rather do. This is a great time to invest and a great time to help people. Yeah, I agree. We just did the epic intensive this past weekend, uh, one of our live events. It was nice to actually have a live event again, uh, oh, yeah. locked down and, and actually see people's <laughs> faces and be able to see their expressions while you're talking to them. Absolutely. Uh, I, I've discovered that Zoom is a terrible platform for comedy because <laughs> you get zero feedback. <laughs> and then when you're not that funny to begin with, that makes it even more tough. But um, at the event that we had this weekend, you know, I, I was able to show a lot of our testimonials and I, but I had to show them by way of video because people are still kind of nervous about traveling. So we didn't have a whole lot of people there, but I got to show all the videos and, and we have so many now to show, like I had to choose which ones am I actually going to going to share with people? Cause I could have just made a whole event of these videos. And there was actually a couple moments where I was like, Oh my God, look what I've done for this person. Look what Epic has done in, in transforming this life. And it is, it, it really tugged at the heartstrings. And I actually had to, uh, you know, take a break for a second because I was feeling very emotional about it. So yeah, nothing better than doing what we do on, on so many fronts. Right. And Absolutely. you, your, your heart's in the right spot and you're a, an expert at what you do. And I've been blessed to have you a part of the team. I've been blessed to have Josh Swanson, who has been helping people get their first deal done on that weekly coaching call. And he's been helping me out with the coaching, my clients and all of his students are starting to succeed. And a lot of them have been introduced to us by way of you and your training that we've put in place. And so I know you've got one coming up where you're doing these pretty regularly. 
And uh, they're absolutely free to help people get started on, on the right track and answer their questions. What, um, what are some of the things that they could expect in those trainings? Well, I tell you what, it's what I love about, about doing this is, you know, I, I really like teaching the live classes, like you said, and I, and I know you do too. But when, when COVID happened, you know, it, it's just like real estate deals. You know, it's adapt. It's what we learn in the Marine Corps. It's adapting and overcoming mm-hmm. because in real estate, you know, a lender will fall out and you should have others to take their place. You know, if a contractor might fall out, you've got others to take their place, right? You, you're not relying on just one source of deals. So, you know, we just went, went right ahead with the webinar-based portal, you know, teaching the events, the three days. And I think the biggest part is, is showing people how you really can do this business with your computer and your phone. And so the first morning we talk about, I think it's important to understand what isn't taught in schools, high school, college, MBA programs is money intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's not that people aren't smart enough to do this. And I think anyone can use your system and make money as long as I feel they have four things. One is a good attitude. If they can ask, how can I make this happen? Because I had a mentor a long time ago tell me, Eric, if you say you can, you're right. If you say you can't, you're right too. Mm-hmm. But if someone has a desire to make a change and to get better, so how can I make it happen? The second one is they're coachable. If they're coachable and if they're willing to learn and be open to new ideas and make adjustments, that's huge. The third one is obviously do the right thing. Don't hurt people on deals. And the fourth one is, right, and you do one-on-one coaching, which is, I mean, phenomenal at the highest level. And there aren't many uh, companies that do that. But I think one of your criteria is, too, it's you have to be willing to take action when the opportunity presents itself. You know, there are people that watch things happen. There are people that wonder, sorry, there are people that make things happen. People watching this happen, and there are people who wonder what the heck happened. You know, I might have messed up that order, but that's the biggest thing is I want on morning number one point out what the opportunities are. And I think what's really important to understand, and some people don't want to see the truth, is that, you know, we've got a dollar that isn't backed by gold anymore. We've got a printing press. So I go back to Warren Buffett and he says the safest form of currency to own is the right performing piece of US real estate. And that's what you know, you and Mercedes have with the buy and hold cash flow stuff, like everything we're doing is a means to an end to that. So I, I really want to point out why it's time to take action with the dollar being printed in, in terms of we're by default the world's reserve currency, but once other forms of currencies catch up and the other part of it is obviously when the Fed's just printing money that's impacted by gold. And then you've got a stock market that, that many of us would argue is, is very much inflated and the economy when you look at the U3 unemployment and U6 unemployment, the economy really hasn't improved. It's just Band-Aids. You know, the rich get richer, the poor get poor. This is a solution. So I spend the first morning really pointing out, here's the issue. And then we get right to it and we start talking about how do we use the banks like they've been using us, mm-hmm. right? How do we level the playing field here and use other people's money as much as possible? So a combination of that and then how do we use other people's money? And then if you've got money in the stock market, if you've got retirement accounts, 401k, IRA, you know, there are really high speed ways, as we would say in the military, really advanced ways to safely use retirement, to invest, to lend money, to buy and hold, to flip as long as proportional profits go back into retirement. And, you know, you've got something like a traditional self-directed IRA. And that's what a lot of so-called investors think, oh, a self-directed IRA. But there are things like QRP, qualified retirement plan, sole 401k. So I think all of it goes back to what's the most logistically friendly way to safely get the largest return in this business. So, you know, what do we do with retirement accounts? How do we use the banks to help finance our deals? Everybody's heard OPM, 
But Matt, does anybody really know what it means? You know, when the rubber meets the road, mm-hmm. do they know what that means? And I think that's part of it. And then on day one, we teach people how to make money in their first wholesale flip from A to Z. We go live. Here's how you make money. Here's how you get access to thousands of properties, buyers, here are the contracts. That's on day one. And I don't know of any other business model that does that. And that's not even getting it. Day two, analyzing any market in the US, cash flow analysis, rentals, commercial, lending. If you want to get into big money flips, maybe later on, what is what's the snapshot of what that looks like? What about power team? You know, contractor, subcontractor, property manager, project manager, appraiser, inspector, attorney, accountant, Matt as your coach. No. <laughs> right? All that stuff. And that's the first two days. And I think the third day is how do we put this together? What's an example of portfolio building, right? So it may seem like financial freedom might seem like Mount Everest, mm-hmm. but the best way to plan for Mount Everest is how do we get to camp one? Like mm-hmm. what are the next steps I take moving forward? What are, and I found the biggest thing to have is accountability measures in place. So that's that whole education implementation. I think that's why your company and why you are so successful is you have the systems in place and I'm just communicating what you have. And then we see where the fit is in terms of plugging in. But if they do that and they plug in and they take it one step at a time, as you know, you've got an entire website of, of testimonials. You have to decide which ones am I going to show? I mean, that is living proof how great what you have is and, and how it's working for students. And it's just, it's, it's really an honor to be a part of it. Okay. So you've been hosting these, these free three-day trainings. And like I said, they are free. And they can go to that and register at trainwithepic.com. Trainwithepic.com. And you just heard from from Eric. And he kind of covered a, a big, giant piece of the real estate and, ha- and basically everything you need to succeed in the business, at least to get started. And uh, he's there to answer your questions and, and reveal all of the market updates as they happen because it's changing daily and, and share his own personal expertise with you. Um, any other reasons or who's the ideal person that should attend, Eric? If you're in a position where you're not financially free, I mean, I, I would just say if you don't have a significant amount of cash flow and I mean, I don't want to put a number on it, but I feel like, you know, a minimum of of ten to twenty thousand dollars a month and, and pass residual income because I think the big thing to understand is even if you've got a pension plan or retirement plan, they don't adjust for inflation. Mm-hmm. So everything th- this is the only retirement plan or financially free plan because I don't like the word retirement. It sounds like you're done, but anyways, to me the only plan that really accounts for inflation in this has to do with buying and holding the right real estate because rents adjust for inflation. So if you're in a position where you don't have what you need for retirement, or if you're younger and you, you're not financially free and you want that freedom, this is the training for you. And I, regardless of your experience level, if you've never you know, done a real estate deal, it's almost easier because you don't have any bad habits. Or if you've been investing, no matter what your experience level is, I haven't had a single student, no matter what their experience level is, say they haven't learned something that helps better their business. So if you're looking for freedom, if you're looking to free up your time, and you want to have more cash flow, or you want to have cash flow, period. This is the train to go to. This is all about getting massive amounts of cash flow in a safe way. And that's the key education and implementation. And that class, the class will change your life. It'll be a great start, a great start to the Epic system for you. So I look forward to those of you who attend. Absolutely. And I would totally uh, encourage you to take Eric up on his invitation. He does this out of the, really out of the kindness of his heart. And it's obviously to, to show you that there is a catch. I'm not going to try and hide that from you. 
the catch is that you will get so much good value and information from this free three days with Eric is that you'll want to do business with us. But uh, if you decide not to do business with us, it's not like we take all that information back away from you. Once, once we've given it to you, it's yours for free and you can use it how you wish. Um, one thing you touched on, Eric, and this is what I appreciate about you because this is something a little bit more it's always been in my mind and I've always recognized real estate as a, as a great way to um, hedge inflation, but uh, it's becoming more and more of a serious issue. And you've brought it up a few times. How much time do you spend on that? Or do you explain to them how that, how the inflation issue actually works and incorporates into a real estate investing strategy? I do. I think the biggest, one of the things I really encourage is trust, but verify. And I know, I mean, the big thing that, that we teach, obviously, that we go hand in hand with is we want to make business decisions based on facts and figures verified over and over again, not on emotion, right? And sometimes, you know, when you're, you're coaching, as you know, sometimes you'll have students that get caught up in paralysis of analysis and they don't do anything. Then you'll have some students get overly excited and they try to get into things that they're not ready for. So it's, it's a balance of taking care of those different personality types so that they're comfortable investing. And I think, you know, there's four stages of learning. And I'm not sure where I heard this, but the first, anything that you want to master in life, the first stage of learning is called unconscious incompetence, yep. where you don't know what you don't know. Ignorance is bliss, but really, as we know, ignorance is expensive. And then in morning number one, we get to conscious incompetence. That's where, you know, I know I need to know this stuff, but I don't know what to do about it yet. It's, it's, that's the getting out of your comfort zone. It's if you're willing to deal with a small bit of uncomfort for a lifetime solution, then then you've got what it takes. We help you deal with that, that uncomfort, that out of your comfort zone feeling, because that means you're growing. We actually celebrate that feeling. You should leave that training with the third stage of learning, which is conscious competence. So I want you to have a vision of what it all looks like. Wholesaling, flipping, buying and holding, commercial, lending money, possibly tax liens. It's a big business, right? You wouldn't go to an ear, nose and throat doctor for heart condition. There's different ways to plug in depending on you know, that student, it's not one size fits all, but Matt's got the whole thing. So it's showing people what it all looks like and then helping them, right? Because we have coaching available, free coaching before and after class, helping them with their game plan. What do I do after this three day based on my situation? So if the desire is there, if the attitude's good, if they're coachable, right? You know, they're willing to do the right thing and take action. It's a good fit. Now, at the same time, you know, we've had a few people on our webinars who are like, you know what? This isn't for me. And that's completely fine. Like you said, we're going to give millions of dollars of information. If it's for you, awesome. If not, that's okay too. And I guess I kind of had a senior moment at 43. I lost track of what your original question was. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. The, inf- the issue of inflation. Oh yeah. Okay. The reason I bring that up, and I think it's even more pressing right now because you've, you know, we've already, our stimulus package that was re- released yeah. to us, but in April has printed more money than we did all in 2007, 2008 combined. And then uh, Jerome Powell is on record in August as saying he's going to push inflation above the 2% normal target. So he's already told you what he's going to do. And then I just read an article with uh, from Ray Dalio in Market Watch, And he said the in the next five years, this world is going to change in shocking ways. And that was like the subheadline, but he's alluding to the value of the dollar. Yes. And he said that one of his final comments in that article was to watch the value of your dollar in the same way you are watching the value of your investments. Yes. And it's so uh, I follow up on that based on the question. Well, I have a yeah, question. Yeah. Is, that, is that okay? Yeah, please. All right. So I think a, a good, so 
I could spend two weeks talking about this. I've, I've done quite a bit of research on it, but to, to really kind of focus it, here's the bottom line. You know, the, when the Federal Reserve was formed in the early 1900s, I mean, I won't get into all that, but, you know, I, I won't get into all that. But what I will say is this. So monetary policy is controlled by the Fed. And if we look at some basic points, right, it used to be that every dollar was printed was backed by gold. And that's no longer the case. And if you go to a website like usdebtclock.org, and I show this in the class in morning number one, our national debt is $27 trillion and counting. So it's like the government, anytime they can't pay for something, because the jobs, in my view, got shifted, shipped overseas years ago in these major manufacturing hubs like Baltimore and Detroit, you know, those jobs are gone. And I won't get into the politics of it, but we're talking about money, whatever side of the fence you lie on, I love you all. But when, the, when we're not producing goods and services, and when this national debt keeps climbing and climbing, it's not like after World War II, where you're doing things to be able to pay it off. So anytime we can't pay for something, it's like the government uh, has this credit card being used for bad debt. So you can't fund the hurricanes here or the floods here or coronavirus. We're just going to print, print, print more money, and we're going to make payments off of you know that credit card that keeps getting charged up to cover the debt. And that's not a sustainable model. We're about to hit the point where we can't do that anymore. Just in the last 12 years, two administrations, our national debt has gone up $17 trillion. And we've been around a lot longer than that. So the way to keep it simple, what I teach in the classes, and, and it ends up, you've got to know the problem. Hey, look, there's a financial tumor. And then we've got the solution to remove the tumor and become financially free and then pass on a legacy to your family. So it's I wouldn't say bad news, but making aware of, of what it is, but then quickly followed by what do I do about it? Mm -hmm. So the last thing you want to do, in my view, once I was read into this is if you have dollars sitting in checking and savings, even with the current low rate of inflation, right? And that's about to change. Obviously, it's going to go up. So even with the current low rate of inflation, the rate of return you're getting in checking and savings, you're safe, secure, and guaranteed to lose a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. Now, no offense to financial planners, but to me, it's a, it is a little bit nuts um, how we're taking advice from how to be retired from somebody who has a job, but you know, bless their heart, they're being guided by the ones who own the big banks who really control everything. So, and they're taught, hey, have this consumer keep all the money with us, so then they can lend it out. So, where I was going with this is, in a simple way, if you have a dollar in checking and savings, the bank will lend out a nine to ten times that amount. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. So. The last thing when I'm talking to an analytical student, the last thing they want to do is if they've worked hard, work hard, save your money, the last thing you want to do is see that value go away. So while we have a strong dollar before that dollar goes down in value, and I see so much evidence that it will, and you do too, you don't want to lose that money. So we know how to take, you know, guide someone and give them options with where can you put that to grow it? And it's income producing assets. You see pushes for gold and for silver. That's great if, if you don't know how to invest, but even better than that is having the right property, which you may get some appreciation on, but you have that monthly revenue being generated. And so you have a business, if it's set up correctly, where there's little or no management. And that's what's so huge about what you know Mercedes does with the buy and hold cash flow properties. You have an income producing asset and it's a business that really you don't have to manage. And this plan adjusts for inflation because rents go with inflation. So when you're in the right markets, you're investing at the right price points, like you said, five to ten percent below uh, the median price homes. Usually, for buy and hold stuff, I mean, I don't know of a safer way to become financially free. Yep, yep. 
and history has always shown that the, you know gold and real estate kind of run neck and neck as a hedge against inflation and just about i don't know about 25 years ago those things started to separate and they weren't following the same path right i don't know if you saw this but just at the end of september i think it was september 30th jp morgan came out and confessed in court for manipulating the market for the last 20 years oh yeah just like so the big thing that we thought was kind of a conspiracy theory and all yeah, that just happens in dark rooms and i'm not sure if maybe the big maybe bigfoot and the aliens are back there in the same meeting room <laughs> right but they just came out and confessed yes we did it they just paid the biggest fine ever so it was uh yeah sometimes it walks like a duck quacks like a duck it's actually a duck yep yep and so real estate you can't manipulate that though it's yep. supply and demand because it's purchased by individuals and they set the market and you can't have a JP Morgan come in and manipulate that because if they tried to, I mean, if they reduced the price artificially, it'd be purchased before they ever got to set in. And then if you raise the price, no one would buy it. So it's like, uh, it, it's the solid investment, real estate. And we all know that we've been, I've been talking about this for 11 years now here on this show. So you know where I stand. And uh, I, I just said this weekend, I said, you know what? Um, as soon as something better comes along, believe me, I will switch the topic of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we've been here for 11 years and that's not happening anytime soon. At least nothing I can see. Well, super. So uh, if you want to spend three free days with Eric, uh, him sharing his wisdom and his knowledge, you can tell the smart dude. And also he's got a big heart and he spends a lot of time before and after those calls to help people individually and, and give them some free coaching and and all of that is a free service. And then if you want some more help after that's all done, Eric will show you how to get it. Fair? All right. So that's uh, trainwithepic.com. Go to trainwithepic.com and uh, register and you get to meet Eric and, and see what a handsome guy he is right there in, in your monitor. All righty. So Eric, thank you very much. Let's stay in touch. Let's do this again. Obviously we will, but um, great to have you a part of the team and thank you for helping all the people that you've been helping. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Matt. It's a pleasure being on the podcast. And I look forward to uh, seeing those of you who attend the class and helping you out. So it's going to be a blast. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Take care. And if you found this episode valuable, who else do you know? There's a good chance you know someone else who would too. And if you think about it, when their name comes to mind, please share with them and ask them to click the subscribe button when they get here. And I'll take great care of them. Alrighty, that's it for today. God loves you and so do I. Health, peace, blessings, and success to you. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.